Welcome to Jury Duty, I'm your host, Chris Terracone. Season 8 of Jury Duty explores the trial of Alex Murdoch, a member of one of the most powerful families in South Carolina, who is accused of murdering his son Paul and his wife Maggie, with the purpose of covering up a multitude of alleged crimes including fraud and homicide. In our last episode, we concluded our review of the testimony of Nathan Tootin, a close friend of Paul Murdoch's who is a law enforcement officer for the Walterboro, South Carolina Police Department. In this installment, we begin our look at day 14 of the trial with our review of the testimonies of SLED agents Ryan Kelly and Rachel Wynn. That's all coming up right after the break. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It is the morning of February 13th, 2023, day 14 of the trial of Alex Murdoch. As we concluded our last episode, day 13 of the trial came to a close with Nathan Tootin, a longtime friend of Paul Murdoch's, completing his testimony. In this installment, day 14 of the trial begins with defense attorney Dick Harpudlian expressing to Judge Clifton Newman that the recent dismissal of two jurors who tested positive for COVID-19 suggests that a delay in the proceedings would be prudent to avoid further transmission. However, Judge Clifton Newman reassures him that precautions, including mask wearing and testing, are being implemented and denies Harpudlian's request. Prosecutor Creighton Waters then informs the court of new evidence that has just become available to the prosecution. According to Waters, just days earlier, General Motors sent the state OnStar data, including GPS location information from the defendant's Chevy Suburban. Dick Harpudlian responds that the defense needs time to analyze the new data, and Judge Newman assures the defense that he will give them ample time to prepare for the new evidence. The state then calls South Carolina Law Enforcement Division agent Ryan Kelly to the witness stand. Mr. Kelly appears to be in his late 30s or early 40s. He sports a beard and short brown hair and wears a powder blue suit, a checkered white dress shirt, and a navy blue tie. Prosecutor Savannah Goud handles the questioning for the state. Agent Kelly, could you please tell the jurors where you work? Uh, I'm a special agent with the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, SLED. And what is your position at SLED? I'm a senior special agent. And in your position as a senior special agent, um, were you involved in the investigation into the deaths of um, Paul and Maggie Murdoch? Yes, ma'am, I was. Prosecutor Goud brings several evidence bags to the witness stand and hands them to Agent Kelly. I'm going to ask you to take a look at some exhibits here. This takes exhibit 464. Uh, these are the buckle swabs of uh, Philip Beach, Renee Beach, Robin Beach, and John Murdoch. And states 465. These are the buckle swabs of Ronald Freeman. 466. Uh, the buckle swab of Michael List. 467. The buckle swab of Matthew Luce. And 468. It's the buckle swab of Curtis Smith. 
And um, Agent Kelly, um, who collected those buckle swabs? I did. Okay, and how did you collect them? Uh, we have a process where we put on um, rubber gloves and we uh, have uh, Q-tips that are sealed. We break the packaging, unseal the Q-tip. We insert one Q-tip into the side of their cheek and we obtain a, a, a buckle swab sample. We then remove the Q-tip, seal it in an envelope, seal the envelope. We then take the second Q-tip, which is in the packet. We break the seal, insert it into the other cheek where we swab. That Q-tip is then secured into a sealed envelope and then the, uh, the two separate sealed envelopes are then placed into a third envelope where it's sealed and signed an initial on the seal. And you did that with each of these buckle swabs? Yes, ma'am, I did. After Judge Newman admits the exhibits into evidence, Savannah Goud concludes her direct examination of the witness and the defense announces that they have no questions for the witness. So Agent Kelly steps down from the stand. The state next calls Rachel Wynn to the witness stand. Ms. Wynn appears to be in her 30s. She sports dark brown hair parted on her left and wears a brown suit with a white patterned blouse. Savannah Goud again handles the questioning for the prosecution. She begins by asking the witness about her experience as a forensic scientist. Like Agent Kelly who testified before her, Rachel Wynn is an agent within the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division. Her responsibilities include DNA analysis, serology analysis, and evidence processing for possible touch or ownership of DNA. Agent Wynn has two Bachelor of Science degrees from the University of New Haven in Forensic Science and Biology. She underwent a comprehensive training program under qualified forensic specialists that covered serological analysis, evidence processing, issuing reports, and courtroom testimony. After Judge Newman qualifies Agent Wynn as an expert in forensic serology, Prosecutor Goud continues her questioning by asking the witness about her analysis of evidence related to the murders of Maggie and Paul Murdoch. Okay, Agent Wynn, um, you were working in the serology department back in um, June of 2021? I was. And did you examine some items from evidence in the investigation of the murders of Paul and Maggie Murdoch. I did. I'm going to show you state's exhibit 63-66. I'll have you take a look at these items for us. Prosecutor Goud brings two small evidence bags to the witness stand and hands them to Miss Wen. Are those items that you examined? Yes, they are. I can identify these items because on the um, small manila envelopes contained within, I have written the unique case number that was assigned to this case at SLED, as well as each of their uh, item numbers, my initials, and the date I opened the packaging. Okay, and each of those items is a 300 blackout case? Yes. And okay, now what did you do with those items? Um, so when cartridge casings are submitted for uh, touch DNA, which is what these were submitted for, we uh, process them with a soaking method. So each cartridge case is placed within a tube, submerged within a solution, lightly shaken, and then have to, it has to sit with for at least 30 minutes. Um, once that 30 minutes is up, each individual cartridge case will then be removed from its tube. The solution will be placed with uh, poured into a filtration unit. The cartridge case will be dried. It will be labeled with the individual item number and then placed on a rack to further dry thoroughly. Um, the solution that is placed within this filtration unit, um, the filtration unit looks like an hourglass. So there's a chamber on the top and a chamber on the bottom and it's separated by a filter. 
So the liquid that is being poured in the top chamber will filter through the center, which has a, uh, a filter which we call an MVAC collection. Um, the goal is that if there's any DNA present within these cartridge casings, it will be trapped within the filter. And then the water goes to the bottom. Um, I'm sorry, the solution. Um, and then the filter is set out for, to dry for at least 24 hours. Once the filter is dried, it is then um, cut, uh, prepared for analysis. So it is cut in half, placed in a tube, labeled with the case number, the item number, and then it is forwarded for further analysis. And that collection from these items was identified as sled item 7.1. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Prosecutor Savannah Goud hands another small bag to Agent Wen. Agent Wen, I'm going to show you um, Case Exhibit 459. If you could tell us, is that what you collected from those cases there? Yes, so within here is, as I mentioned, sled item 7.1. Um, once again, I recognize this because it has the unique case number, the container number, um, my name and date on the outside, as well as my name and date on a seal at the top. And um, what did you say you did um, when you collected the, I guess, this? <laughs> the, um, so once the MVAC collection or the filter is dried, I will cut it in half and then half again. So each water will pl be placed within a tube for DNA analysis. It's labeled with a unique case number, the item number, and it is forwarded for further analysis. So you forwarded that to, D to DNA for more analysis? That is correct. Your Honor, at this time, the state would move 459 into evidence. Prosecutor Goud hands two more small evidence bags to the witness. Kate, um, 33 and 34, which are fired shot shells. Did you perform any kind of testing on those two items? Yes, so states 33 and states 34 are um, consistent with sled item number 9 and 10, which were fired shot shells. Um, these were also submitted to the laboratory for touch processing. Um, these shot shells were swabbed for the touch collection. Um, so basically, I take two swabs, sterile swabs, and moisten one with the ionized water, and then I will rub it against the exterior of both of them, and then leave them out to dry. Once the swabs are dried, I will then prepare them for DNA analysis, which involves just cutting a small portion from each swab, placing it within a tube, labeling it with the case number, the item number, and forwarding it for further analysis. Um, for this, uh, the swabs from the entire exterior of these two items were identified as item 10.1. Prosecutor Goud hands another exhibit bag to Agent Wen, who takes a moment to open it. And I believe item 10.1 is also in Kate's exhibit 459, submitted. Yes, this also contains item 10.1. Which are the swabs from um, these shot shells here. That is correct. And then what did you do with those swabs once they were collected? So they were prepared for DNA, DNA analysis and forwarded to the DNA section for further analysis. Goud again hands the witness a small evidence bag. 
I'm going to hand you uh, what's been marked as tapes exhibit 18, which I believe is your item 17. Um, yes, yeah, so I recognize this um, from the same process. It, um, I have my the unique case number, the item number, my initials, and the date I opened. Um, item 17, which is dates exhibit 18. I also have my initials and date from when I sealed this pouch. And now what is that? Sleds item 17 are swabs collected from exterior doorknob of storage room door. And what did you do with that item? Um, so I prepared these swabs for DNA analysis. Um, once again, I just cut a small po uh, portion from the swabs and poured it for further analysis. Agent Wynn receives the next item of evidence from the prosecutor. States 259. States 259, I do recognize for the same reason. Um, I have the written the case number, the item numbers, my initials, and the date that I opened these items. Um, found within states 259 are items 15 and 16. Item 15 are swabs from Camaro Benelli 12 gauge shotgun receiver forward of the loading port and swabs um, identified as item 16 are swabs collected from barrel of Camaro Benelli 12 gauge shotgun. Now did you do any testing of those swabs? Yes. Items 15 and 16 had blood requests on them, so these were tested with our presumptive blood test. A presumptive test only indicates the possible presence of a body fluid. Um, and how I did that is because since these are swabs, I took a sterile swab, moistened it with deionized water, then rubbed it gently upon the swabs that are identified as these items. I then tested that test swab for the possible presence of blood. Okay, so if you could... Um Please continue explaining what the item is, please. Uh, yes, so I tested these presumptively for the presence of blood. Um, so item 15, which were the swabs from the receiver forward of the loading port of the Camo Benelli 12-gauge shotgun, tested positive for the possible presence of blood. Item 16, swabs collected from barrel of Camo Benelli 12-gauge shotgun, tested negative for the possible presence of blood. Both sets of swabs were forwarded to the DNA section for further analysis. Okay, so at this point, we don't know, we just know there's blood. There's the possible presence of blood on item 15. Defense attorney Philip Barber rises to object to Prosecutor Gowd leading the witness. Judge Newman asks the prosecutor to restate her question. And what did you say was present, or presumptively present on those items? So item 15 was positive for the possible presence of blood. Item 16 was negative for the possible presence of blood. And what did you do after you made those determinations? So both of these sets of swabs were prepared for DNA analysis and forwarded to the DNA section for further testing. Prosecutor Gowd hands Agent Wen yet another evidence bag. I'm going to hand you State's Exhibit 398. You will take a look at those two items and um, tell the jury what those are. State's Exhibit 398. Are sled items 22.4 and 22.5, which corresponds to item 22.5 is described as reddish brown debris swabbed from the right side of item 22 receiver, and 22.5 is described as reddish brown debris swabbed from the left side of the item 22 receiver above manufacturer information. And what did you do with those items? These items also had a blood request. 
So the same process as the previous items I just mentioned, I took a sterile swab, moistened it with deionized water, swabbed the swabs, and then with that test swab is what I tested for the presumptive blood test. Could you please explain any results? So both items 22.4 and 22.5 tested positive for the possible presence of blood. And then what did you do with those items once you did the blood test? These two sets of swabs were then prepared for DNA analysis and forwarded to the DNA section for further testing. Now there was a number of um, guns in this case that were processed, is, is that right? Um, I believe so. Um, could you tell us about the um, testing you did on State's Exhibit 89, your item 30, the Mossberg shotgun? So when items of evidence are submitted to the SLED laboratory, sometimes they have multiple requests of different departments. In this case, item 30, a Mossberg uh, shotgun, um, had three requests for the latent prints department, for the DNA department, as well as the firearms department. So we try to organize it so that no department's analysis conflicts with another department. In this case, this item was forwarded or was sent to the latent prints department for processing. The latent prints examiners are trained in collection for touch DNA as well as swabbing up any stains that they may notice. Um, so item 30 had a blood request on it. The latent prints examiner, which um, took this item into their custody, requested that I come down as a second pair of eyes to visually examine this item for any possible staining. Uh, we located one stain, which I tested for the possible presence of blood, and the result was negative. And after that, did you, are you aware of any further processing on that Mossberg shotgun? I am not. So I was there with the examiner, and it remained within that examiner's custody the entire time. With that, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Alex Murdoch. Please join us on our next installment as we continue our review of the testimony of SLED agent Rachel Wynn. Also, check out the Crime Story podcast, Night Raid, wherever you get your podcasts. And, if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie and Tholis. It was co-produced, written, and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Trial audio is courtesy of Law & Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.